Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine, and we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. No. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story, and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. All right, babes, hormone health and the impact on your love life and happiness with Nicole Jardim, a certified women's health coach, writer, speaker, mentor, and the creator of Fix Your Period, a series of programs that empower women and menstruators to reclaim their hormone health using a method that combines evidence-based information with simplicity and sass. This is the episode some of you have been anxiously waiting for as more and more women in my life have certainly been asking about hormone health and understanding their bodies. This was a packed episode with so much goodness. Nicole is amazing. So many questions. I think we talked for well over an hour <laughs> um, and I am just super moved and super proud to, that we brought her on the podcast. Like that's how I feel today that this is so essential for all women, you know, to take back their power, to take back their health and really understand how their choices impact their life. Yeah. And, and like the whole podcast is about changing your relationship to love and to yourself and, and where you're coming from within yourself. And this whole episode is really about changing your relationship to your menstrual cycle, to your hormones, to your body, and actually changing like your relationship. So you start to listen to your body and know that your body is this beautiful, wise vessel that's always communicating to you and how we spend so much time berating our bodies and abusing our bodies and fighting our bodies and being angry at our bodies. And just Nicole is the embodiment of her work. And she's 41 years old, which I fucking love um, a hormone expert who's actually, you know, been on the journey for a long time. And she's, yeah, she's walking the talk and she's vibrantly healthy and radiant and so beautiful. And to me, it's a testament to her really walking the walk and embodying her work. And this conversation was so epic. Like I totally fell in love with this woman. She's going to be our new bestie. <laughs> and yeah, it's so good. I hope every woman on planet earth listens to this episode, but at least every woman in the new truth movement yes. um, community. And then to share with your friends and the great news and all the links will be below and I'll read more of her bio in a moment. But Nicole has her own podcast called The Period party and really, really incredible episodes, incredible interviews over there. And so we joked before we hit records with her that we were like, we couldn't possibly share everything there possibly is to know about period health and hormone health, but we certainly covered a lot of the bases and we 
most of all hope that this episode, you know, is a catalyst for you to take responsibility for yourself, to empower yourself, to get the support you need around what might be going on in your body and to know that there's never anything wrong with you and that you are so worthy and deserving of health and happiness and falling in love with your period and your body and your cycle. And that birth control might not be the answer. (laughs) So yes. Nicole has impacted, her work has impacted the lives of tens of thousands of people around the world in effectively addressing a wide variety of period problems, including PMS, irregular periods, PCOS, painful and heavy periods, missing periods, and many more. Rather than treating problems or symptoms, Nicole treats women and menstruators by addressing the root cause of what's really going on in their bodies and minds. She passionately believes that the fundamentals to healing any hormonal imbalance lie in an approach that addresses the unique physiology of every person. This is essential to reclaiming and maintaining optimal health and vitality at any age. She is the author of Fix Your Period, Six Weeks to Banish Bloating, Conquer Cramps, Manage Moodiness, and Ignite Lasting Hormonal Balance. And she's the co-author of The Happy Balance, a recipe book with fil- filled with over 80 hormone balancing recipes. Finally, she is the host of The Period Party, a top-rated podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune into that if you want to learn more about how to fix your period and has been called on a women's health expert for sites such as The Guardian, Well and Good, Mind Body Green, and Healthline. So enjoy this episode. You're going to want to listen to it multiple times. You're definitely going to want to take some notes and you're definitely going to want to share with all of your friends. So enjoy. Nicole, thank you so much for being with us today on the New Truth Podcast. Ladies, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm trying not to, I have all these things that we want to talk about. Even before we hit record, we were off and running (laughs) with with all the things. And I'm laughing to myself about, you know, how in a group of friends, the person who's the doctor, like everyone's always asking that person, like they're getting calls in the middle of the night, right? From your friends. I'm wondering if in your life, Uh, everyone is calling you all day long and like at dinner parties, they're all asking you all things, period health, hormone health, women's health. Is that your experience? It is my life. It's really funny. I have a folder on my desktop of screenshots of text messages and emails from friends and people I know because it's so amusing. I get the most (laughs) hilarious. I get pictures of kids sitting over pots on the floor being like, look, she's vaginal steaming, you know, whatever. We get all kinds of silly things. Yeah. Like as a joke, but yes, that's the kind of stuff that I see in my inbox. Yeah. I get pictures of blood clots. How big is this? And should I be worried? And (laughs) all of the things. Yeah. Wow. All of the things. Well, we're going to talk about all of the things today, this very, very hot topic and so excited to have you. And you mentioned earlier that they've all, they've heard your bio, but we'd love to start at the beginning of really how you became who you are in the world, the period girl, period woman, and your epic book, Fix Your Period. You know, where did your journey begin? It's so funny. I feel like I was the unlikeliest period girl. This was not a path I was planning to take at all. And um, it wasn't until sort of recently that I realized that a big part of my journey is the fact that I lost my dad when I was a really, when I was really young, I was 11 um, and he died in a plane accident. And I 
um, you know, and it was something that just totally spun our lives out of control. Uh, my mom, it took her many, many years to recover. And my sister and I were just kind of lost at sea a little bit. And we, and I remember, you know, I got my period the year after and I was very excited about it. I kind of knew it was coming. So I feel like that was sort of insight into what I would do in my life. But I remember after that, you know, it was sort of normal for a little bit and then things just went completely haywire. Mm -hmm. And for years as a teenager, I had terrible, heavy, painful periods, the kind that kind of make you see stars and, you know, the kind that keep you home from school and just, you just don't want to deal with life. And that was, that went on for a long time. And I finally saw my mom's gynecologist and she immediately put me on the pill and I thought at the time, like, hallelujah, because somebody is giving me a solution to this mess that I found myself in. Um, not only did I have really painful, heavy periods, it was also very irregular. So every three or four months, my period might show up. And so I just remember getting this pill thinking it was like the period panacea. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm set for life now. And it was actually, I didn't get a heavy period anymore. I had no period pain. It came every 28 days, like the pill packet said. And, you know, so all the things that I had struggled with throughout my teenage years literally went away within a month. So for me, it was, it was certainly a silver bullet, so to speak. So anyways, fast forward a few years and I started experiencing all of these symptoms that no one could figure out. I certainly couldn't figure out. I had no idea. I was so disconnected from my body. I had no clue what the hell was going on with it. And I remember, um, just going to so many different doctors. I, I would go to the OBGYN probably every two months or so because I had a UTI or I had a yeast infection or both. It was so fun. And I, you know, I had awful stomach health, like stomach issues. So really bad gut health problems. Um, you know, I did a colonoscopy. They, they said I was fine. I had melasma all over my face, these brown spots that usually you're only getting those when you're pregnant. And I remember a dermatologist saying that to me and I just thought, oh, okay, so there's something really wrong. Um, you know, so it's like hair loss, everything. I was just all the symptoms and they were all seemingly unrelated. And that was the most confusing, frustrating part is that I, nobody could figure out what was causing them. And I finally ended up in the ER one day because I had allergic reaction to a UTI medication. And the, and I remember the next day I was in I was in college at the time. And so I, I went and told a friend about it and she said, oh, you really should see my acupuncturist. And so that was really where this all began. So I saw the acupuncturist and he was the first person to ever say, I think it might be your pill <laughs> causing all of these problems. And no one had ever said that. And I had been to probably, I don't know, 15 or 16 doctors by this point over years. So no one had ever connected those dots. And I, I finally understood what he was saying to me that there was no ovulation on the pill. And this was probably causing a whole slew of problems. And that was where, that was the turning point for me. And then I started to get really interested. And that was kind of how I ended up doing the work that I do now, but it took many years to get here. But yeah, like really it was, that was the catalyst for me. Wow. It sounds like, I mean, obviously there's a time and a place for Western medicine, but it just sounds like the Western medicine way, just pop a pill and you won't feel your pain. And then it causes a whole slew of other issues in your body. And there's no conversation about getting to the root of it, which breaks my heart. And East, that's the beauty of Eastern medicine is like their, their commitment is to getting to the source of what's causing the symptoms as opposed to just keep it mandating the symptoms that you're experiencing. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. I couldn't agree with you more. I know I use the band-aiding term a lot because the pill truly is that. And I, I think yeah. what's most unfortunate for women um, is that we are, we're kind of like collateral damage, you know, it's like yeah. we've, we take this pill and we're never really informed fully of the side effects uh, you know, that will potentially come from taking it. And then we have a lot of these side effects like low libido or painful sex or vaginal dryness. And, uh, you know, along with everything else I was describing and, mm-hmm. and then you're just switched to another pill, but we're never talking about the fact that ovulation is literally being turned off and it is a critical component of female biological health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. It's what makes us a woman. It's like the one thing that makes us (laughs) different than men. And is so, I I mean, my perspective on it now, which we'll obviously talk about this in in many different ways, but like, it's such a sacred thing to me now. And it's such a special thing. And I love knowing where I am in my cycle and I love tracking it. And I love knowing, you know, sometimes of the month I'll have more energy and vibrancy and vitality. And other times I'll be more inward and tired and slow and like, and just like the different, I remember that following this one woman on, I can't remember her name, but on um, Instagram who teaches the difference between the in, infradian rhythm and versus the circadian and how the circadian rhythm is based on men. <laughs> and yet so many women follow circadian rhythm health as opposed to infradian, which is based on your hormonal cycle. So it's, and we, before we press record, it's like, this is all product of patriarchy. Like we, a system that where women don't really have a place. And even here in 2021, we're still like so misinformed and so miseducated. Thank goodness. There's people like you out there who are, you know, taking up space and actually having able to have a voice and a platform to be able to reach a lot more women now, like this is, it's amazing that we're at this time in the world because it's about fucking time that women get, you know, get access to resources that teach us how to celebrate and honor these beautiful parts of ourselves rather than like not even know what it is and want to like get rid of our periods or think they're wrong and bad. Like it's just wild. I could not agree with you more. (laughs) Thank you for saying all of that. I feel exactly the same way. It infuriates me. It makes me crazy. In fact, I'm about to do a solo episode on my podcast about a recent doctor's visit. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, if this is happening to me, I cannot even begin to imagine what is happening to women who just don't really know, haven't been taught, just don't have a general understanding of their bodies and how they function, what hormones to be asking for to get tested, you know, all of it. I got, I got all the lines like, oh, we don't test hormones because, you know, hormones fluctuate. And I'm like, no shit, they fluctuate. (laughs) Like I'm aware of that, but there's this thing called a baseline. (laughs) It does exist for females. You can test for it. So yeah, it's really the gaslighting in medicine is so outrageous to me. And it, like I said, it makes me crazy. And so I hear these stories literally on a daily basis. I probably have 10 DMS every single day from women talking about this, these exact experiences, and it's just not okay. And I recognize that obviously there are lots of great doctors out there too. And there's lots of people who are really genuinely trying to help, but genuinely, generally speaking, we do not have, um, we're just not supported. I feel like when we go to the doctor, it's really frustrating. What do you think is the, like, 
one of the core things that so we, we clearly have this idea of we're empowering women to recognize that you can find what you need. Like, don't always just take what somebody else says as, as fact, like I'm thinking about with period health, you know, one of the things I've watched on your page is like the things that we just assume are normal. Like, Oh, well, Oh, I have debilitating seeing stars cramps. Like, I guess I just have to deal with this or that my only solution would be a birth control pill or all of the kind of negativity around the way men talk about women on their period like oh she's she's really moody and bitchy you know this time of month like I feel like this is a good space to break do some like myth busting of like core empowerment you know teaching for women that are listening now who may have all kinds of different experiences with their period but what do you most want what are like maybe two or three things you most want women to know around their period yeah. You know, I would say the first thing is your period is not just your period. And we've been led to believe that your period is just this real pain in the ass thing that shows up once a month, maybe for others, it's longer. And, and that it's just a thing that happens and it, there's no connection to anything else. But the thing is, is that your period isn't really the star of the show. I consider ovulation to be the star of the show. And ovulation is the driver of all of these hormones that are produced by our bodies. And so when we think about our period, we have to think of our menstrual cycle as a whole. And it's being driven by the production of estrogen and testosterone around ovulation time, progesterone after ovulation occurs. And without this ovulation that happens, we do not make the levels of hormones that are actually adequate for us to survive, to, to live in a healthy way these hormones. So that's the first thing your period is not just your period. It's a whole thing. It's a whole process that dictates so many processes in your body. And that's the second thing. So what's really fascinating is that we've been led to believe that these hormones like estrogen, progesterone, for instance, are just about reproduction or about menstruation, but they're really not. They're about so much more. And if women had an understanding of this, I think that they would make vastly different decisions when it comes to, particularly when it comes to hormonal birth control that stops ovulation. Um, because estradiol, which is the main uh, estrogen in your body during your cycling years. So that plays a role in bone development and then bone, so bone growth, bone health. Um, it also plays a role in serotonin production. So it's going to play a role in your brain health. Mm. It also plays a role in your skin, your hair, your digestion, so many things. And progesterone is very similar. It's used, it's actually used as a treatment for traumatic brain injuries. So it plays a really big role in cognitive function as well as bone health too, and our skin. Interestingly, that melasma I was talking about on my face when I was on the pill, estrogen, high levels of estrogen will push the growth of melasma or, you know, the pigmentation on your skin, whereas progesterone reduces that. So what I needed to be doing during that time was ovulating and making mm -hmm. progesterone. And so, and I think, you know, the third thing that, you know, we should all know too, is that we are only fertile for a short period of time, literally 12 to 24 hours in an entire cycle. And when you introduce sperm, they can live in your vaginal canal for up to five days. So it makes the window like six to seven days, but ultimately we're not very fertile <laughs> at all. I mean, some of us are for sure, but like we have such a small window and we've been told that you can get pregnant whenever you have sex, you could get pregnant. And I think that that is a myth that really needs to be debunked because mm -hmm. I just had women, I was talking about this today on Instagram and I just had That's women fine. saying to me, right. She was so like, yeah, good. I'm 31. I just learned this. <laughs> 
so crazy. So yeah, we really, we really need a overhaul when it comes to sex ed period yes. literacy that, that at every, at every level. Saying, like I've always had the thought like with why are women uh, from a very young age, I went on the pill because of same reason, period pain, um, probably because of my diet when I was a teenager, like now knowing what I know, like I ate a shit ton of sugar. I had, you know, all the things that cause your period to be completely out of control. And so without knowing it, it was out of control. My doctor put me on the pill. I literally went, turned into a crazy person. That was my sensitivity to the pill. And I'm a highly sensitive woman. And I would just keep being, becoming more and more crazy. And so they kept switching pills and every time I'd switch pills, the same thing would happen and gain weight. And I would be like batshit crazy. Like it literally changed my, me as a person. And it was so horrible. And finally I intuitively knew, even though I didn't even know what intuition was back then, but I intuitively was like, I can't, I got to get this out of my body. Like I'm not willing to do this anymore. And I remember back then, like as, as a woman in my early twenties thinking, why the fuck are women the ones who have to take the pill? Like, why don't men have to do anything? Why do we have to be the ones responsible for this? It's their sperm. And like, just like you said in your post today, men are fertile every day of the, every day of the month. Yeah, so yeah. like, they're the ones who should be taking something that changes their body. And like women have so many hormones. So like we, we are so much more susceptible to being fucked up mm-hmm. from taking this pill. And yeah, so it just, I would just remember from such a young age intuitively being like, this is wrong, but I didn't know why I just was like, this is wrong and stopped taking Mm -hmm. it at about age 23. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Because you knew, I mean, that's the thing, right? If we knew, if we actually had a fundamental understanding of all of this miraculous shit that goes down in our bodies every single month, we would make vastly different decisions about birth control. I 100% believe that. I keep thinking about how at the core of patriarchy is women are less than and bad and wrong. So if something's wrong with my body, I'm going to assume that that there's something wrong with me. Right. Like, just like when we think of dating and relationship and it very rarely are we like, oh, I might be in relationship with a toxic person. And that's why I'm like crying myself to sleep every single night rather than the woman who's like, oh, I need therapy or I need more coaching rather than I'm with the wrong freaking person, <laughs> you know, or, or something is wrong with my environment. Like, oh, I'm surrounded by really negative people who don't see me and love me. But it's all this like internalization of something must be wrong with me. And other people know what's best for me, right? Like, unless you have, I mean, I'm thinking I, I had, you know, heavy periods and, and have my own childhood trauma that I've talked about on the podcast, but my, there was no education. Like my mother didn't have a healthy relationship with her body or her cycle. She certainly wasn't talking to me about it. I also certainly was not exposed to a woman who was joyful and alive in herself and healthy and happy. I have a lineage of martyrs. I have a lineage of depressed women. I have a lineage of women who overwork and, and self-sacrifice. And that's a lot of the story too. When I think of the, the journey that I'm on now with my own health, like I, the joy that I feel, the aliveness in my body, which is a direct result of the way that I take care of myself. And now I'm not on birth control. And so it feels like there's this the empowerment of like, not just taking, not always assuming there's something wrong with you. Right. And saying, Oh, maybe things could be different. Maybe I could be happy. Maybe I could be healthy. And then that leads to, you know, 
it, your book is about, or at least what I've seen is like addressing women in their twenties, thirties, and forties. I'm wondering if we can now go into like, what do you think all 20 year olds need to know? 30 year olds need to know 40 year olds need to know, because of course, yes, you know, lots of changing bodies, your body is changing at those different decades. So what would you, um, where would you like to begin with that? Well, I want to say the first thing I want to say is that there is a bit of an evolutionary mismatch happening here. And just to speak to what you said about the fact that we think there's something wrong with us, usually that's the place we go to. And when we think about the fact that the levels of psychological external stress that we face as women now is unprecedented. I mean, we've never seen anything quite like that. We've never experienced this ever really in the history of humanity on top of crappier food quality and, uh, you know, and ever growing responsibilities um, as well as the environmental chemicals, the environmental chemicals. I just, if there was anything I would say to people, it's like, get as much plastic out of your life as humanly possible because the environmental chemicals are literally destroying us. And they are, they, the yeah. sperm counts have dropped by 50% since the seventies. Our egg quality is poorer than it's ever been. This is our mitochondria and it is being impacted on a level that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. So we have things coming at us from all different angles right now. And yet we still, as women are like, Oh, maybe it's me. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's the self-blame is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, when in fact we are living in an, in a toxic soup, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, environmentally. So I, I just want to say that <laughs> because you. it's so yeah, important, I think for us to just know that there's a lot working against us and it is sort of like a radical act of rebellion to be healthy in the environment that we're all, we currently find ourselves in. And some of us are luckier than others and are able to do that uh, relatively easily, but it's still, I mean, it's still an ongoing challenge, I think for pretty much everybody. That's so part that. of why I came to Costa Rica is like to heal my hormones. I, I was like, I can't do this in Canada, especially in the middle of COVID, but yeah. Canada and there's just so much fear and stress. And I just, I, I was feeling so like, I, I didn't feel healing and coming to Costa Rica, I've been doing nothing but healing since I've been here. Just everything about this place is so slow and so relaxed. And so it's just a healing sanctuary. I love that. And I, it's so necessary. It's, I, it's part of the reason why we moved out of the city into the country. It's same thing, much slower pace. It's amazing what you don't realize. You don't realize what you need until you're out of the environment that you've been in. I'm sure you can yeah. relate to that, Kate. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the city environment. And New York is very similar to Canada too, in that you know, there's a lot of fair people are, you know, they're just, people are feeling what they're feeling. And it's really hard to be in that. And so I, I understand completely. And when, when you're in a more relaxed environment, you automatically, your cortisol levels drop. And that's the thing as well. And Catherine, I'm totally going to get into what you asked. Oh, you're fine. I feel like this is so important as well too, is that when we think about the stressors, we do think about, you know, like the job and the money and whatever, the relationships and things like that. But there's so much more. There's light at night and there's computer screens and then there's the EMFs or electromagnetic fields. And like I said, we're seeing all of this, these problems with environmental chemicals, like the BPA and the phthalates and all of the things in the plastics. But um, we, there's so many things that we just aren't seeing. And those are stressors as well. And so what's happening 
what I want women to know in the modern world is that you're fertility, your ovulation, your cycle, they're all one and the same, right? So you can't separate them all. They're all the same and they're either healthy or they're not. And so what I think is such a problem is that our bodies are just responding in the way they're supposed to. Um, but we don't believe that, or we don't even know that, right? They're based, they're sort of functioning based on millions of years of evolution where, you know, when there was a dangerous situation and you were in it, your body would either, you know, not ovulate or it would delay ovulation so that you couldn't get pregnant in a potential famine or in a situation that was dangerous to you and your, your fetus. So that is a problem in the modern world where we have normalized all of this, right? The two gallons of coffee before 9am and the 14 hour work days and the having to take care of your family with zero help. And I could go on and on and on. Um, our bodies are like, oh shit, <laughs> there's a lion chasing us. And, but it's not, obviously it's the lion of the 21st century. And we then think our bodies are broken because we go back to that message again. And that's, and that is really an issue. I think it's one of the biggest problems we have because then we try to fix it with, if we're trying to get pregnant with IVF or, you know, something else. And really what it is, is that we need to look at the root, root cause of what is, is ailing us ultimately. Anyway, I could go into the rest of the stuff now. <laughs> Preach like yeah. like a poacher. Like that, so I, I just feel so great. Yeah, I'm so grateful to to have you on the podcast and and to like let it this energy be inspiring, uplifting, empowering, and like confronting. You know of of how we're living our life. You know and how you know much choice we actually do have, but we're taught that we don't. Mm. Um, and and or taught like God, even the friggin' self-care, you know, like we, we make self-care a luxury rather than it's these little choices that you make day by day and that you don't just have to deal, you know, um, and all the ways that we act out in order to try to manage our stress rather than, you know, the infinite number of ways there are to take back our health and take control of our bodies. And so we hope wherever you are in your healing journey around this, that you are inspired and that you do take action, like all the little things that you can begin doing today to think about this and not let it overwhelm you, but let it inspire you to see how much choice you have. So, so true. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for saying that. I know I really want everyone to have this information. Like I want women to know that their bodies are not out of their control. They're not some mysterious things that are just that are so confusing and, and out of their control. And I really believe that we can all learn this. I yes. did not know at 21 years old that first of all, I never knew my, the day that I would get my period. Like I never knew any of this stuff. I would go to the doctor. I would totally lie and make up a day that I had my last period because why the hell would I need to know that information as a teenager? You know, every month when I ovulated, I used to think I was having some sort of vaginal infection <laughs> because of the cervical fluid that I would see. No clue. Like I was beyond clueless. And I, so if I can learn this information, I feel like everyone can. Right, and yes. it 100%, as you both know, changes your life. Yes. Yeah. Changes yes. your life. I, I want to share a quick period story, although I don't want to throw you off from where you're headed, but I just, um, that 
I, I did a sweat lodge years ago, like probably like 12 years ago. And I actually did my second one last weekend. Um, and they're so beautiful and so sacred. I did it in Canada with the first nations people. And it was such a, so basically they said to us is, and does anyone here Do any of the women, are you on your menstrual cycle? And a few of the women put their hands up and they were like, um, your energy is the most powerful when you're on your cycle. And it, and it actually like messes with the spiritual connections and the spirits coming through and the energies of the experience. And so um, we have a special day planned for you. Um, In our culture, we we, uh, serve women when they're on their cycles for the full seven days. They do nothing. They get served. They get doted on. And so they had this special like red tent essentially room set up. And this elder woman came in and she did some education and she fed everyone tea and chocolates and everything. And at the time I was like, oh, I'm so, so happy. I don't have my period. Cause I want to do the sweat lodge. But then part of me was like, oh, I kind of want to like see what they're doing in there though. Cause it sounds cool. And then I was a week away from my period and I went and did two rounds of the sweat. And then my, and then I had an upset tummy and I went to the bathroom and I got my period and I was like, Oh my God. And so I went, I went up to the guy crying. Cause I was like, I ruined the whole thing. And he, and he was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And he said, just go join the women. So I went to join the women and they had every, all of the men serve us for the rest of the day and bring us food. And we were, they were like fanning us. And we were lit. It was the coolest experience. And I remember at the time, like I would have been in my late twenties and I was like, what? Like, why do they feel so periods are so special? Like I still, cause at that time in my journey, I still didn't know, I didn't have a relationship to mine and to my cycle. And I just was like, I'm so confused, but this is really cool. (laughs) I just like, what is this? (laughs) That is so amazing. And I think about this all the time there. When I think about our culture and the fact that like I was saying, we're just sort of set up to hate our periods from the moment we get them. We're set up to hate our bodies. Absolutely. Women are set up to hate their bodies. And then the rest is history. Anything that has to do with our body (laughs) becomes inconvenient and annoying and um, has to be changed and perfected. Changed and perfected. It is so true. And there's no ritual around menstrual cycles in our culture whatsoever. And I love that story, Kate, because I remember a friend of mine said that she was in Mexico at one point uh, years ago, and she was in a taxi going to the airport and the taxi driver got a phone call and it was his wife and she kind of understood Spanish. So she was getting a little bit of it and he was so, so excited. And on the other line, she's telling him that their daughter got her first period and they were, he was really excited oh. to rush home because they were going to have a celebration for her. And I was just oh. like, well, what? Oh my God. <laughs> we do not do these things. And so it's just really, I know. Right. So you think about all of this, it's like a celebratory thing. And yet in our society, it's, so vastly different. I mean, I had a woman say to me the other day, I was doing posts on periods through the life cycle, which Catherine is kind of where I want to go next because you asked about that. And I remember she wrote something like, I'm in my mid forties and I can't believe I have to deal with this nonsense for the next 10 years or whatever. And I was just like, no. And it just is so sad to me how many women feel like this is nonsense, literally, or that it is uh, such an awful thing to happen to them on a regular basis. And they're so traumatized by their menstrual cycle. And that is, that's what I want to change more than anything. I love that you're doing this. Yes. So 
It's so important to me. It's so rooted. Sorry for we. I know we spoke at the same time. It's so rooted in our, like our whole message is about empowering women around having a relationship with themselves. Like this whole podcast is about getting out of the fantasy world around love and like where we put like all of our attention is on the external instead of on the internal and like how this is such a sacred, beautiful part of who we are and what makes us unique and special and change. Like, I just love your mis- mission. I'm so I'm new to you and I'm absolutely freaking love this. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I, that's high praise. I appreciate it. And, you know, I think about this a lot, like what can we start to change? And, you know, when I think about the teen years, it's a little tumultuous and, but, you know, if we, if we're set up in a way where, our parents or our caretakers are supportive of what, you know, what's about to happen to us, this transition that, you know, period, your period is basically, your first period is basically, or indicative that you've ovulated for the first time, right? So this is, this initial ovulation is kind of a big deal. And what it means is that you've now gone from your whole life of having, you know, being anovulatory to having ovulation and this massive surge of hormones happens and your receptors are all, your hormone receptors, they're all really new to this. And they're kind of like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to try and figure this out. And so there is, you know, there's a lot of growing pains, I suppose you could say with periods in the first few years. And if, if girls and children could be prepared for this, mm. what, what an absolutely massive difference it would make in their lives. And I think about our period stories. I call them period stories because that's basically what they are. And I talk to women about rewriting their period story because so many of us have had really traumatic puberties and traumatic mm-hmm. first periods. This one girl told me about being in a white bikini on her 12th birthday on a boat on a lake, couldn't get back to shore, you know, stuff like that. And she's in her thirties and still remember that and felt the pain of that. And I, I think we have to be able to, to rewrite them or, you know, reimagine them. And so I think about that a lot. And then, you know, as you move into your twenties from your teens, which like I said, are a little all over the place because obviously our endocrine systems really have to figure out what's going on. You know, one of the things I say to women is that like, as they go into their twenties is that, one of one of three things is going to happen. You're either going to be totally fine after having tumultuous teenage years. You're maybe going to see different um, issues crop up, or things might just totally regulate and um, you know normalize. And uh, which I think I just said the first time. So yeah, really two things. It's either like one of the two things. And so you know what? I think when our twenties were so resilient and you know, things are relatively short-lived for the most part. So if you experience an issue, uh, you know, maybe you have an anovulatory cycle or something like that. It could be because you're really, really stressed. Like there's a lot of transition happening in this time in our lives. You know, we're graduating from college, we're getting jobs, we're starting businesses, uh, we're moving usually. Uh, We may even be getting married or getting into long-term relationships, things like that. And so I think that it's just important for us to pay attention to the foundations of our health. Um, but at the same time, like you can get away with drinking more, eating more sugar, things like that, because you just tend to bounce back more. Um, and, uh, you know, and then there's these reset phases of pregnancy and postpartum and whatnot. And these will go into your thirties and even your forties now too. And ultimately the message for everyone really is that taking care of yourself 
should just be a non-negotiable. And it might look different at different phases in your life, obviously, and at different times in the year even, but ultimately tracking your cycle, having that data on your body, whether, you know, how heavy your period is, how long it is, um, you know, whether you experience PMS symptoms or severe PMS symptoms, also known as premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD. Uh, if you're spotting in the lead up to your period or spotting at other times of your cycle, the, uh, and ever, you know, so many things, period pain, all of these symptoms are just signs from your body, no matter your age, like they are just your body communicating with you, telling you something's up. And they're not just this thing that your body is doing to rebel against you because it hates you. They're actually just communicating in the way it knows how to communicate. Your body is doing that. And so if you're not sleeping, not eating regularly, your blood sugar's all over the place, you're super stressed, your job is insane, your relationship is not great, whatever it is, that is your that is going to show up in your period. And then we think, oh, our periods are just a nightmare. But if we actually tuned into what was going on, we would see that it's just a reflection of your overall health and the environment that you live in. And so I think that's the most important thing for us to take away. I love that so much. I've, st- I've studied a lot of somatic psychology and it's this the, like the story of our bodies and how every, even how our bodies develop and our face shape and our nose size and our eyes and lips and everything is, is like, there's, there's a story to it and it can change that when you shift your inner world and heal your emotional trauma and how the, this, the body will change. And, and same with the inner, it's like everything has meaning. And I believe that our bodies are the most wisest part of us. Like our bodies are the vehicles of our soul. And most women are just living in their minds and our minds are so much of our minds are conditioning are these stories we're fed from doctors, from childhood, from media, from all these places that disempower us and keep us disconnected and disinformed. And yet here are beautiful bodies are always talking to us. Like every time someone gets sick, your body's calling you back home. And yet most people, when they get sick are like, Oh, I hate being sick. Oh, I'm so annoyed that I'm sick. How did I get sick? Oh, and it's like this war with the body as opposed to even gaining weight. It's like the, the, the war with it, as opposed to like, oh, my body is actually communicating something weight in somatic psychology is protection. And you're, of course, your body's like, if you are in a stressful relationship or a stressful situation, your body's going to store that your body's going to protect yourself, try and protect itself. It's so freaking wise. And I love this so much because it's like our bodies are talking to us and all we need to do is, is build a relationship with it yes. and actually start listening to the messages. And no, shocker. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, oh my God, it's everything. So important. I could not agree with you more. I know. And I really, I think that that's even more important for us as we push into our late thirties and our forties that, I mean, this last decade before the cessation of ovulation and periods is so critical to our health. And, you know, we are not, we are not plagued by the you know terrible symptoms in perimenopause and menopause for no reason. Again, like this is this is all of these things have a cumulative effect on us. And as perimenopause gets underway, you know, 
what I see now is, you know, and, and it's normal, like to experience earlier ovulation, shorter cycles, uh, increased anovulatory cycles throughout the year. So you have might have like two or three of them, which leads to decreased progesterone, which of course leads to heavier periods and maybe even flooding or more spotting or uh, more period pain even, or more other symptoms that, the, that you happen in the premenstrual time. And you know, I get that these things will happen. This is a natural progression. So there's no doubt about this, but the fact that it's just sort of an accepted, uh, you know, idea that we are, you know, that this is supposed to be a horrible time and, you know, it's such a struggle is I just reject that. I just don't believe it. I'm 41 and I, you know, I've definitely seen changes start to happen. So I can clearly see like stuff is shifting, but at the same time, I just don't buy into this story that we're just meant to suffer for a decade. Like, are you frigging kidding me? No. Such bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's the same as period, like period cramps. Yeah. Having severe cramps is so normalized. And I've heard from other health coaches, but I'm sure you have an opinion about this. It's actually not normal to have really bad period cramps, but it's, no. but it's, it's become normalized. It's like normalized to not sleep at night. It's normalized to, to be anxious. All the anxiety disorder is totally fucking normalized, but it's not actually normal. <laughs> right? Oh my God. I know this drives me crazy. And I think about this a lot. I talk about biologically normal versus statistically normal. And the fact that there is a difference, ladies, everyone who's listening. And I agree completely. The period pain thing is always so shocking to me because when we have pain in other parts of our bodies, if I recall correctly, (laughs) based on everything I've talked to medical doctors about, that means something, right? Like that usually in medical school, people are taught that that is, that is signifies there's a problem somewhere. Um, But when your uterus causes pain, completely normal, totally fine, nothing to worry about. What are you kidding me? That's so crazy to me. And this is why conditions like endometriosis, which can cause severe pain for years and years on end are diagnosed in, you know, usually in such a late stage. So it takes an average of 10 years, seven to 10 years for diagnosis of this condition. And I'm just like, this is why, because women are constantly ignored when they talk about their pain. And yeah, I could go on, but that's you know a big problem for sure. I agree. So anyone who's listening, period pain is not normal. It's okay if you have to take an Advil here or there, or you know you feel cramping. But if your pain is disrupting your life, that to me is a sign that you have to investigate a little bit further. Mm. And so, what would you say are the number one causes of like so for because endometriosis is so common nowadays? Infertility challenge or for fertility challenges is so common. Infertility miscarriages more than ever. Like what? What? Um, what would you say are the number? You said plastics earlier, so you mean like drinking yeah. water out of plastic and and is that including like eating? Because all pretty much all foods come in like plastic. Like you buy your arugula and it's in a plastic container or like, so is that what you're talking about? And can you give us like any other tips around what causes all these female, all the problems, problems, one of them, I know. Right. You know, I would say if we're simplifying this, I would say that the number one underlying cause of a lot of these issues, like you're talking about fertility problems. So this is ovulation issues. This is sperm issues. You know, it's a lot of things. Um, it's conditions like endometriosis, adenomyosis, these all impact fertility, um, is just unchecked ongoing inflammation, 
we are, we're an inflamed group of people these days. And that is unfortunate, but it's just the truth. And I think that again, that's our modern way of living that is not really conducive to good health. Uh, So, and like I said before, right, we really have to make decisions that are going to be in our best interest as often as possible. And I recognize I'm not a purist, so I recognize that it can be really challenging. And so I think the first thing is, you know, if you're experiencing period pain, uh, raging PMS symptoms, migraines, bloating, uh, you know, these kinds of symptoms that or ovulatory pain, for instance, any kind of pain uh, associated with your cycle, this definitely indicates to me that there's some sort of inflammatory situation happening. And so the goal is to reduce whatever it is that's inflaming you. And so I, you know, I start everyone off with dietary changes because that's obviously the number one thing for most people. And that, you know, when you have the nutrients that your body needs, you're going to be more resilient to all the other things, all the other stressors, because when you have the right nutrients, your liver detox pathways work better, which means that they, they can get rid of the environmental toxins that you're exposed to. Uh, it means your brain works better. So you're more resilient to the stressors that you're exposed to. So those are all really important things to consider. And so I start, you know, I just start off with how do you, how do you make your plate? So, you know, are you eating a bunch of leafy greens at every meal? Are you eating veggies? Are you eating decent quality protein, healthy fats, uh, complex carbs, fiber, that's really what's going to get us where we need to go. Um, and so I, I start there and I, I outlined this pretty specifically in the first week of the book protocol. So if anyone was curious about that, the second thing after that is blood sugar balance. I, you know, blood sugar is crazy because we just don't even realize it. In fact, I'm wearing this, I, I can't, you can't really see it on my arm, but I have a continuous glucose monitor because I'm perpetually my own lab rat. And I feel <laughs> like, this, it's so shocking to me because I've tested my blood sugar for years using a finger prick, but this thing is a whole other ball game. And if we understood just like periods, if we understood what blood sugar was doing to us on a regular basis, we would definitely be more cognizant of it. And, you know, this is not just about eating cake and drinking wine. It's about so much more because, certain foods don't work for our unique metabolism or bodies. And so we can find that out when we test our blood sugar. And I think that that's something that we really need to be cognizant of because it changes our moods. It changes our brain function. It causes major inflammation. And if we are, you know, if we're constantly feeding that fire, it's never going to go down and we're going to continue to have all these problems. So, like I said before, your period is just a reflection of your overall health and it's just showing you or or all the symptoms you're experiencing are just showing you that something deeper is going on. And so you can start there. I think everyone should start with those basics and it could change their whole lives. I mean, like it's usually just like one of those two things or both and things dramatically improve. Hmm. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. And now would be a good time to talk about the impact of birth control and hormones on attraction and sex drive and who you, who you oh end God, up in relationship with. <laughs> I know. Shoot. I'm scared. Fucks up your love life. Maybe we should call the episode back. <laughs> you might want to, you know, what's so crazy is that I remember, so I'm 21. I'm on the pill. I'm in college dating, whatever. Um, not wanting to date though, because I'm, I'm stuck with these UTIs every time I have sex, it's just terrible. And these yeast infections and I'm going to the, the gynecologist and she's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. We'll take this next medication, whatever. And, um, and then 
and then I got into a relationship and then I noticed like sex started to hurt all this vaginal dryness. I'm like 24 at this point. And she's like, okay, well, here's some estrogen cream and here are some dilators. And I'm just like, I know just like what you were saying, Kate, about what your symptoms were. I just kept thinking, this cannot be it. This does not resonate with me at all. This seems crazy to me. There's gotta be another reason. I can't just be having these problems for just no apparent reason. And I can't accept these band-aids. I just can't with the estrogen cream and the freaking dilators. So I just, you know, I think about this a lot because it's a physical and it's a mental emotional connection. So for anyone who's listening and has never, doesn't know this, like that when you turn off ovulation, you're turning off that estrogen testosterone. And those two hormones are pretty much directly responsible for vaginal lubrication and for cervical fluid production and uh, for your libido, uh, everything that's involved in what's going on with ovulation, you kind of want to have going on. And so when all of those are turned off, like when those hormones are not being produced in the amounts they are supposed to be produced in, your sex drive drops significantly, your desire really for anything sexual goes away. Um, Sex begins to hurt because your vaginal tissue begins to atrophy uh, because it's not as lubricated as it's supposed to be. I know. So you can experience bleeding with sex, like pain on penetration, things like that. It's just a terrible situation. I've had 18 year olds be on the pill for three months, emailing me saying these things to me. And I'm just like, this is criminal. We can't be doing this to girls. It causes clitoral shrinkage. I mean, like I could go on and on and on. In fact, my friend, Lisa, she wrote a book called The Fifth Vital Sign. It's, it's also another great book that very similar to my work, but her focus is on fertility awareness methods. And she talks about what she thinks should be on the pill box. It's like a black, warn- a black box warning because of the amount of side effects involved. And, you know, so that's just the physical side of things. And then of course there's the, um, you know, the skin problems, the hair loss, uh, you know, all kinds of issues show up the weight gain, like you were saying too. And then there's the brain stuff. And I, you know, I've heard this too before as well. Women have said, I just completely lost my mind on the pill and I had to come off and it just made me so crazy. And then of course we have the blood clot issue, which is another problem that we tend to continue to ignore. Um, and you know, when you think about the research, there's not a whole lot, but there is really interesting research that talks about decreased preference for masculinity in, in your partner. And so basically women on birth control basically have been found to choose male partners uh, with more feminine features. So less masculine looking male faces. Uh, And what, you know, that's not necessarily a big problem per se, but what becomes a problem is that we are also choosing men who are genetically more similar to us than if we were not on the pill. So the goal here is to choose someone who's genetically different from you so that you, when you procreate, you know, there are not going to be the same genetic problems that are passed down. Um, but apparently women on the pill choose people who are more genetically similar to them, which could be really problematic. Um, and then, yeah, right. For procreation. So it's really interesting. Um, the other thing too, is that, you know, and the reason they say is that because the pill is sort of mimicking what's going on in the second half of your cycle. And so 
in the first half of our cycle, you know, we have estrogen building, testosterone's building, uh, and we tend to choose people based on sexual attraction, uh, things like that. Whereas in that second half of our cycle, we might choose people because they feel more stable. And so yeah. there's, you know, so there's lots of really interesting things out there on this. And you know, a great book as well. Uh, if anyone is interested in all of this, is um, Sarah Hill. She is a PhD and she wrote a book called Your Brain on Birth Control. And it's really a fascinating mm. read about all of this stuff. But wow. yeah, it's yikes, scary. And so again, like we choose people based on pheromones and scent. And yes. like I said, we're, we're choosing people more who smell more like us essentially versus people who and don't. Doesn't it? I've heard that when people go off the pill that they like, sometimes they don't like this. Maybe you even said yeah. this earlier, but I've heard this before that when they, they go off the pill and then all of a sudden they smell their partner and they don't like the smell of them. And then that ends up, they might not even be conscious to the fact that that's what turns them off, but they end up ending the relationship. Can you talk about that? Like yes. what you said earlier about divorces and like, <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was something that I remember hearing a long time ago again. And I was saying this to you guys before we came on, you know, we started recording, but that you know, women have written to me, men have written to me, uh, and women have said, I don't like the smell. I can't even stand the smell of him anymore. Mm. I'm just like, wait, what? Wow. So shocking to me. And um, yeah, so they've said things like that. Uh, they, it, it ends relationships. I, like I'd said to you both before we recorded, I would never believe this if I hadn't seen this myself, but I have had probably four or five men over the years, write me and say in desperation, I don't know what to do. My wife was on the pill. She's come off of it. We've been married for years. We're trying for a baby and she doesn't want to be with me anymore. Like we're on the verge of divorce. We don't know. I don't know what to do. And women have said the same thing. I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. This is love of my life, but I don't like I can't, I just, we don't, I don't feel sexually attracted to him anymore. It's the safe guy that I chose because I was trapped in the second half of the period cycle. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. I know. Interesting. Your body chooses because who, who your yes. body, like the body is the primal, right? Yes, exactly. 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 So it's really interesting. And then there's, you know, interestingly, the, the divorce thing, sh it shows that women who choose their partner while on the pill are less likely to get divorced. Not entirely sure why that is, but, um, and those who were, who chose their partner when they were not on the pill are more likely to get divorced. So again, might be just the safe thing. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's a whole, I mean, obviously um, divorce is complex. Yes. <laughs> it's not just about yeah. birth control yeah. people, yeah. but you know, it, I thought I can't, like, you can't even believe research like this exists. Right. And they, and they say like, and for, cause some women don't even know this. They say when you, when you have, when you love someone's smell that you actually are, have a much likelier chance to be able to procreate with them. That's actually part of it. And I, I, I remember when I first learned that I was like, Whoa, cause I have had boyfriends where it hasn't lasted cause I didn't like their smell and then other partners where I just could like drink in their smell, even if they were stinky and sweaty from the gym, like just loved how they smelled and my whole body lit up and yes. it's so fascinating. I completely agree with that. And it's really crazy. I mean, I was married before the relationship I'm in now and we got together when I was on the pill. It didn't, it didn't work out, <laughs> but 
I don't know that that has to do with the pill, but because I was young um, and he was young too. But um, I do think about that a lot because I think mm. about the current relationship I'm in. And like you said, I could totally drink in his smell and it's, it's a whole, it's very different to my first relationship. So yeah, it's, mm. it really is something to be thinking about for everyone. I, I talked about this recently online and this woman, she was frantic, wrote me so many messages and she was just like, is this really true? I was like, yeah, it is really true. I was like, it doesn't mean it's true for you, but the way she sounded, it seemed like maybe she was thinking it might be true for her. <laughs> and this was maybe potentially confirmation, but oh my mm. gosh, I felt so bad for her. And I just, you know, I want everyone to know, obviously this isn't the case for everybody, but it is something to certainly think about um, if this has been coming up in your life, possibly. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm thinking about everyone listening with how many things are already working against you around <laughs> how you choose a partner, right? The influence of our childhood wounds, pressure from society. And now you have what is happening in your body, right? That could, you know, totally influence the rest of your life. And how, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about as I've listened to you is one, the way we, we live in a culture where your body is a machine, yeah. But if you have your cycle, you then are asked to rest, to slow down, to be aware of change. Whereas people are pissed about having, I mean, I don't know why I'm so tired. Right. And it's like, well, you're working 80 hour weeks and staying up all night and having 500 cups of coffee and eating sugar at 1am. Like, but then you're blaming yourself, like just right back to that place. And how so much of my life changed when I just started practicing, like actually being in tune with my body and how much of my life changed. And I stopped making myself wrong, you know, um, but that, that practice along with, you know, we just had an episode about how to choose a partner from your soul. And this feels really important because you're like, and literally one of the quotes I read was from Marion Woodman when she's like, there might be something mouthwatering standing in front of you, but that might not be what actually satisfies your soul. Right. And how to actually have a life that is fulfilling a partnership that is fulfilling to have a fulfilling relationship with your body can't happen if you're at war with your body can't happen if you're constantly judging your body can't happen if you're pushing your body and expecting yourself to be able to function on cups of coffee and sugar and being disconnected from who you are and being on birth control and i haven't actually talked about this publicly you know one of my really good friends in college died from a blood clot on the nuva ring um And so, you know, we were 21 years old and she was all over the news. I mean, her parents did this, you know, unbelievable interviews. She was in a bunch of, her story was in a bunch of magazines, but of course, I'm pretty sure the Nuva Ring is still, you're able to still use the Nuva Ring, (laughs) but there are a ton, thousands of women who have died because of blood clots on the Nuva Ring. But why is Nuva Ring still able to be given to women, right? Without informed consent. Right. That's one of the biggest parts, right? Is that if you know, you might make a different decision, but you should know regardless. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. I'm so sorry. thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and this, um, pressure we put on our bodies, you know, back thinking about fertility of I've been on, you know, the women that have been on birth control forever and then act like, Oh, you just get off of it and then you can get pregnant. Yes. Right. Like we yes. demand perfection. Like this can make me cry. Like we have to really feel all the things that are wrapped up in this of demanding perfection from our body 
right? But I'm not going to have a relationship with my body. I'm not going to have a relationship with my cycle. I'm not going to have a relationship with my period. Um, and, and I hope everyone's really, I mean, I can feel the like energy. I mean, my own stories of like mouth dropped open when I realized the imp impact everything was having on, on me and how I showed up in the world. But hopefully, you know, everyone like gets your freaking book and, and runs to your period party podcast and, and really starts taking a look at how all of these things have shaped, you know, who they are and, and hopefully is really considering how much, I mean, choosing a part, we, people choose partners recklessly, mm. right? We, we make life-changing decisions like who we marry or from having a, a survive, having a child with somebody who's, you, you know, out of their mind. Forever. Right. Yes. Um, but it all like, just, I love that we got to have you to have this conversation because everything really comes back to the relationship you have with yourself. And if I'm, if I hate myself, <laughs> if I hate my body, if I'm just chasing validation and security and safety in the arms of another, you know, it all starts with, that's how I see myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I could truly, in my own experience, I could only begin having these conversations about my body and about my cycle and getting off birth control from a place of self-love. Yeah. Like there were actually several things that had to happen in order for me personally to be able to receive this conversation. Um, you know, and so we're glad that we're covering all the bases here on the podcast and that, you know, I even think about, we've talked about how a, a relationship coach, like one person can't be your everything in a relationship. Like one person can't, your life coach can't be your answer for everything around your freaking life. Like every, you know, take your life into your own hands, right? Ask for help and recognize how there, there is this help available to you, right? Podcasts are free. You have, oh my God, I was looking at your podcast. You've got like hundreds of episodes over at the period party. Like this yeah. is for fucking free. <laughs> like you can find this information and you can buy your book. Right. Amen. Yes. I completely agree. I feel like when I think about 20 years ago, when I was embarking on this journey, there was nothing out there. Nothing. It was a joke and I'm busy writing my period and my, uh, my, I thinking ovulation on <laughs> my wall calendar. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And you know, there were not even smartphones. So now, like you said, there are podcasts, there are incredible books. There are blogs. I mean, there's just tons of really there's great information to track yeah. your period now, which exactly. is so amazing. Yes so amazing. The, the apps alone, man, that would have been a lifesaver for me. Yes. And, you know, and then there's Instagram and, you know, there's me and there's lots of other practitioners who are doing this work and talking about this information openly. So, yeah, I feel like we have lots of options now. So awesome. I love it. And, and I love the, it's just so aligned. It's just the, like, it's time to take responsibility for everything. Like it's time to take responsibility for how you feel inside of your body. It's time to take responsibility for how, what your period is, or like how, you know, your body is talking to you and your heart is talking mm -hmm. to you and like radical responsibility over your life. No, nobody's going to come rescue you. You can go to the doctor and they'll just give you a bandaid. But ultimately, like, if you want to get to the root of what's causing you to feel disconnected, it's time to rebuild that relationship. Absolutely. I couldn't Do you want to give a, a brief, like who your book is for and, yeah. and what they can receive from your book? Sure. Absolutely. So the name of my book is fix your period. 
it's pretty straightforward. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really for, it's as much for me as it is for all of you <laughs> to say my 20 year old self, but it really is for anyone who has been, first of all, struggling to understand what is going on with their cycles. And they've just never received the information that I share pretty willingly in there. Um, the first three chapters, the part one is really an, an exploration of your cycle, the hormones involved in it, what the hell is going on in your body. So you'll get that. And then that the next um, six chapters are, you know, is a six week protocol. And I walk everyone through pretty much a, a sort of distilled down version of what I've been doing with clients for almost 10 years now. And I really wanted to provide everyone with a solid protocol on what to do to at least start the process of addressing period related issues. Because like I was saying, you know, the, it's basically, your food, your blood sugar, your stress, your gut health, your thyroid, and your, um, what's the other one? That's it. I think so. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yes. That's the, the whole thyroid. point. It's like these found. Yeah. The thyroid. Yeah, exactly. So that's the foundation. And really if we're able to work on those basic tenets of our health or those, those foundational pillars, I, like I'd said before, this changes everything. And then in the final part of the book, I just talk about birth control. I talk about all the non-hormonal options as well as living in harmony with your cycle. And cycle. we sort of touched on that a little bit and just talked through, or I talked through, you know, how to really embrace each phase of your cycle so that you're working with your body and not against it. Mm. And that's, you know, that's really the gist of it. And I think it's really for anyone who has, who just doesn't know and really wants to try and figure out what's going on and, and start to get to the bottom of it and feel better. I have a, a question, a woo-woo question about, um, cause my cycles keep syncing up with the new moon or the full moon. And, um, what's, do you have any perspective on that? Or is yeah, that, you know, it's really interesting because I feel like some women, they, it just, it, it'll just flow with the moon, whether it's the new moon or the full moon. Um, and uh, you know, the moon cycle phase it, or the moon cycle is 29 and a half days long. And that does not change. Whereas female bodies cycles definitely change. So some of us will be in sync with either the full moon or the new moon where we'll get our period on the new moon. We get, we ovulate on the full moon. That's sort of the traditional way of syncing with the moon. Um, and so that'll happen, but then eventually your cycle will change and you move away from that. And sometimes you go to the new moon and the full moon. So new moon period or new moon ovulation, full moon period. Um, and then somewhere you're most of the time, you're just somewhere in between. And so what they say is that with the, when you get your period with the new moon and you ovulate with the full moon, uh, this archetype is the sort of fertility archetype. They're ready to have a baby, raise a family type. Um, whereas on the flip side of that, where you have, um, you ovulate on the new moon and you get your period on the full moon, it's sort of like the priestess, uh, goddess, not so much goddess. Um, it's sort of like, yeah, it's like the high priestess archetype, as far as I understand. The idea is that you're stepping into a role in your work or what you're doing in the world in a different way, in a bigger way. Um, and so to really embrace that, if you sync up with the moon in that way. So that's my understanding. There's another I've really never good heard about that, that too. before, but oh, basically- really? So I am um, going to have a baby now because you just, <laughs> I literally last in Costa Rica, the new moon that just happened. 
I got my period two days early on the new moon, like in the middle of the night. And I was, and it was an eclipse too. And I was like, Ooh. all right. So you never me. know. <laughs> Get busy. <laughs> Um, that's, that's so, so cool. Awesome. And then, mm. and then syncing with friends, like, cause that happens with me a lot. Oh, yeah. My period changes a lot. And I don't know if that's cause I'm 40 or cause, but I find I sync like, as soon as I got to Costa Rica, I was hanging out with my friend Brooke for the first week. And then we ended up like on my birthday, we were away for my birthday week and she was like, Oh, I'm getting my cycle. And I'm like, Oh, mine's five days away. And then sure enough, I got mine the next day. Um, I sync up with my friends really easily. Does that mean anything? I'm it sorry. Totally I the, the continuation. I know we got it. Is, no, it's all good. It's so fascinating because this totally happens. I, I stayed with my sister last year and we were completely opposite by the end of our stay, which was six weeks during the pandemic, which is crazy. We were synced up. It was unbelievable. I don't know. Her period came late. Mine came early, something like that. But it really is fascinating to me. I'm convinced this happens, but the science says otherwise. They say that it doesn't exist. And I feel like male science about this. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> <It's so funny. laughs> but every time I talk about it, women are like, well, whatever, that's BS. This totally happens to me too. It so happens to every woman, everyone, like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. A man scientist doesn't get, to I don't, me. I don't buy it either. I feel like there's some unexplained something that's happening for sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, agree. and it makes sense. Like we sink to the moon. Why wouldn't we sink to each other's moon cycles? Like it, <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I don't know the, the, the science behind it, but it's, it makes so much sense and it happens. So I agree. We see, and I just love this, that this is how we're ending this episode because it, it's just like mystical and magical that w- yeah. w- we are. And then because of these beautiful cycles, we're able to create humans inside of us and give birth. Like that is the most, if there, if anyone doesn't believe in miracles, like that's the most normalized thing. And yet it's absolutely the biggest miracle, miracle. that exists. Yeah. And we are able to do that because we're women and because of these beautiful cycles. And so I just think, yeah, the, there's so much magic here and I love what you're doing. I love your energy. I'm like, I want to work with you now. You're, you're <laughs> amazing. I'm sure everyone's going to run and buy your book now. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your precious energy with us today. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to the New Truth Podcast. For more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, You can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.